Good morning. Welcome to worship. Our Holy Gospel is from the first chapter of Matthew, beginning at verse 18. Glory to you, O Lord. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. The actual Greek word there for birth is, and it, I think it gives us a totally different understanding of how this passage should be read. It says, this is how the genesis of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in his mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as, as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. The Gospel of our Lord. I invite you to uh, pray with me the Holy Spirit prayer, because in our time of meditation together this morning, let us pray. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindling us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, by the light of the Holy Spirit, instructs the hearts of the faithful. Grant that by that same Holy Spirit, we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. I normally don't give these kind of meditations or sermons or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I, I think today's sermon is going to be, well, in a technical term, uh, more didactic. Uh, back in the seminary days, that's what they would call a teaching sermon. And I'm, I'm not totally sure if this fits a completely in that realm of that definition, but it, has, it is going to be a little bit more along the lines of a teaching sermon today. Uh, so hang in there, because this is not typically the type of sermon that I normally give. But I, I've been doing a lot of study on this text before us today, and um, I, I, one of the things that I found interesting was this whole concept of this word Genesis. It is, it is a central theme of this passage before us, this Genesis of Jesus. Um, and as I, as I was thinking about that, one of the things that I thought about was, um, I, I don't think I've ever used this. I, I know I, I brought this about a month or so ago, and I used this in a, a children's message uh, at the 10 o'clock service, but about 30 years ago, my Uncle Fritz, 
who's now 90. He is now 90 years old. Uh, he lives in Missouri. My uncle Fritz uh, spent a significant amount of time delving into the Corbin family history. And this book, which he actually produced and hardbound himself, he actually bought a machine so that he could hardbound this genealogy book on our, our, whatever, our tree of the Corbin genealogy. Uh, this book goes back nine generations, nine generations to 1626. All right, a lot of history in here. And that means, 1626, that means it goes way back to my grandfather to the seventh power. Okay? So that means my great, 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 great grandfather is the first person that's mentioned in this book. Now to put that simply, that's 394 years ago. Now, one of the things that I looked at as I looked at this book is that, you know, you go through it and, well, here was Clement and Clement married so-and-so and they had this daughter and this son and this daughter and this son and this daughter and this son. I can tell you in the past 394 years, there's been a lot of begetting of children. And to think of how miraculous it is, this is the thing that was kind of mind-boggling as I sat and looked at that book. How miraculous it is that I, I am a descendant of all of that. I am a descendant because I am now the 10th generation. I am the current generation of this book. Well, actually, my children are even the next generation beyond that. But to think, this is, this is miraculous to think that I am a part of that and that there's a, there's a DNA strand, there's a DNA strand in me that goes way back to my grandpa, my seventh grandpa, great-grandpa, Clement Corbin, who was born in England in 1626. In a certain sense, you could say, as I think about it, the genesis of my life was like this. This is the genesis of my life. My existence, my beginnings in life was like this. And it's truly a miracle. It's truly a miracle. Just like, just like everyone in this room, your genesis, your beginnings in this world is a miracle. And every one of you have a book just like this one. You just don't know it. One of the things that we overlook, one of the things that we overlook in this Gospel of Matthew is the first 17 verses. You see, I think most of us are kind of like this. We open up the book of Matthew and we start and it says, The Genesis of Jesus Son of David, son of Abraham. And it's like, oh, great. All these names. I'll just skip that part. Let me get to the next easy part. If you're like me, that's, that's what I've done all, all of my life. 
It's like, oh, that's just that genealogy stuff. Well, just, I, I don't need to bore myself with all those names. We overlook it. And it wasn't until this week that I really took that seriously. Because if we truly understood, if we truly understood the Genesis, we would probably take a closer look. It's been suggested strongly that this passage from this passage on the Genesis of Jesus that we just heard just a few moments ago, it needs to be read. It needs to be read within the context of the first 17 verses. And I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to encourage you to go home and actually take a few moments and look at it and read it today. And when you look at the words at the beginning of Matthew 1, 1, it reads, the Genesis of Jesus was like this. The very beginnings of Jesus was like this. And one of the things that I found quite interesting and thought-provoking within these 17 verses is that it mentions all these people who were begat. Or those who, in other words, all those people who were fathered by. And that word begat or fathered by in the first 17 verses of the book of Matthew, it's mentioned 39 times. 39 times! But the, the, but the thing that's interesting is that when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to Jesus, the grammar changes. It says, Joseph, the husband of Mary, from whom was born Jesus, the one being called the Christ. It doesn't say, it does not say, Joseph begat Jesus. Just like all of those other people in the first 17 verses. When it comes to Joseph, it all changes. It says, Joseph, the husband of Mary, from whom was born Jesus, the one being called the Christ. In other words, there's something different about the birth of Jesus. I believe it was Pastor Al who coined the phrase, this was the beginning of something new. It's not like all the rest of all of those people who came down the line from generation to generation. Jesus was something new. Something else that I thought was pretty interesting is the fact that within the oral tradition, and again, 2,000 plus years ago, oral tradition was still very much the part of people's lives. And we, as present day uh, people in our current society that has all of these technological advances, and we have all these wonderful ways of communicating with each other through Instagram and TikTok and, and texting and emailing, we don't even have an appreciation for oral tradition any longer. As a matter of fact, we have a hard time communicating with each other with, with all of the means of technology that we have in front of us. And you know why? Well, it just so happens that so-and-so here, she never reads emails. The only way she wants to communicate with you is to text. Oh, well, this gentleman here, he doesn't want to communicate with anybody through texts or emails. He only wants to receive phone calls. Well, how are we supposed to communicate with anybody if we don't know how they want to be communicated with? 
And that's the society that we live in now. You got texting, you got email, you got phone, you got Instagram, you got all these ways of communicating. And nobody knows how to communicate with each other. But the thing that I found very interesting about the oral tradition is that where history was spoken, genealogy, genealogy was a chief way for people to understand their identity. Can we even begin to imagine what it was like for people to know their lineage and to speak it and to speak it back generation after generation after generation? It was ingrained into their memory. I am the son of, and my father was, his grandfather was so-and-so, and his grandfather was so-and-so, and his... People understood that. They knew that. It was a part of who they were and a part of who their identity was. And it was important for them to maintain that sense of understanding their identity through those people who came before them. You understood your identity by knowing your genesis. And it was vitally important to speak it and to keep it alive. Matthew 1.1 says, is the book of Genesis of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. The Word of God, this Word of God, I don't know how many times I've said this, and I will continue to say it. This Word of God, it is alive, it is living, it is active right now, today. And this Word of God, it continues to inspire, it continues to reveal, and it continues to unfold the mystery of God's saving work in the world and the saving work that is among us, yes, even right now. Right now, it is inspiring us, it is revealing, and it is unfolding the mystery of God's saving work to us. And the connectiveness, the connectiveness between the very first book of the Bible, where we hear the words from Genesis 2, verses 4, this is the book of the Genesis of heaven and earth. And then in chapter 5, verse 1, it says, This is the book of the Genesis of human beings. In the day God made Adam, according to the image of God, he made them. And that connectiveness, God used Matthew through God's inspiration, God used Matthew to maintain this amazing connection. Just as God brought all things into existence from the beginning in the story of creation in Genesis, this new beginning, the start of something new with the genesis of Jesus Christ, this is God's love being revealed to us through the One who will not only save us from our sins, but who will be called Emmanuel. God is with us. And there's a very small but very important word in there. Is. God is with us. That is an extremely important word because the word is is a present tense word. That means it's happening right now. Whenever you speak the word, whenever we speak the word Emmanuel, we are saying God is with us right now. And every year, every year, 
we have this privileged opportunity to once again celebrate this new beginning, this new thing amongst us through the revelation of God's love for the world with the genesis of Jesus. One of my commentary sources is a Reverend Brian Stoffergen. It's an interesting last name, Stoffergen. In his commentary on this passage, he wrote, he said that the importance of Jesus is not who he is defined by genealogy and the virgin conception as son of God, but, what he, but his, the, importance, the importance of Jesus is in what he will do. And Jesus came into the world to save people from their sin. Something new, something new is being birthed among us. Something new came to be among us. The very presence of God came into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. That new birth, that new beginning, the genesis is the birth of Jesus. The calling that Jesus came to accomplish was and is to save God's people from their sins and to manifest God's presence in the world. Not just 2,000 years ago, but even now, today, every day. Jesus is the one spoken by the Lord through the prophets. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel. Every time we use the word Emmanuel, we are saying God is with us. His presence with us is something that will never, ever stop. His presence is continually amongst us. I love what Brian Stoffergen says about this genesis of Jesus. He says that the real thing, the real thing is God is with us. The real thing is God is with us. The real event of Christmas is that God came to change the world and each of us. Not just historically, but through the God who is with us today. And this is something that you and I can claim each and every day of our lives, this genesis of Jesus. It is the beginning of something new. And that new thing is that Christ is with us. And it's new every day. Christ loves us new, anew every day. Christ accepts us anew every day. Christ forgives us anew every day. God, Christ makes it possible for us to walk in the freedom of His grace and His forgiveness every day. The importance of Jesus is in what He will do. He will save his people from their sins. One final thought. Something for you to think about. Pastor Al oftentimes talks about this particular gospel is bookended or this particular book of the Apostle Paul is bookended. Well, the, Math the Matthew gospel is also bookended. It is bookended with a blessing and a call to mission for the sake of of all of the earth. And I want to briefly explain that to you because it might actually make you think twice about when you read the, the Gospel of Matthew, it might give you a little bit better perspective on 
what you're reading when you initially start to read and conclude the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 1.1, it says that the genesis of Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Abraham, okay? And there's all, it's very important for Matthew to use that word, Son of Abraham, because in Genesis 12... It says that God will bless Abraham and his descendants so that all the families of the earth would be blessed. Did you hear that? So that all the families of the earth would be blessed. That's a pretty big piece of people, isn't it? That all the families of the earth would be blessed. It starts with a blessing upon Abraham that all of the people of the earth will be blessed. And the bookend, at the end of Matthew, it is a call and it is an invitation to the world again to be blessed. Jesus gives a final command to his disciples. He says, go into all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have taught and commanded you. It's, an, it, it's a call, but it's also a blessing because Jesus is saying, I have come into the world so that all of the world might know and have the ability and have the possibility of being blessed. You have a blessing at the beginning and you have a blessing at the end and a call to mission. And then perhaps the most important thing of all, he says, and this is what the word Emmanuel means, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am Emmanuel. I will always, I will always be with you. Amen. And I invite you now to pray the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace and tell what God has done. And thanks be to God.